0: Exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. That's what Kung Fu Podcast is all about. And I'm your host, T.W. Smith. Welcome to the program. If this is your first time here, you are in the audience of some of the finest and sharpest martial arts in the world. People that put in a great deal of sweat, a great deal of thought, and a great deal of care into honing their craft. In episode number 183, It is about an essay that was published in the Journal of Chinese Philosophy, titled Hitting the Mark, Archery and Ethics in Early Confucianism. Before we get into the program, I want to take a moment and say thank you to all of those who are supporting the program, whether it's over at KungFuPodcast.com or over at our Patreon account. Everything that you do helps me to continue to build, broaden, and deepen this entire program. With nearly 200 programs here at Kung Fu Podcast, had almost another 100 at the Podcast of Tibetan Kung Fu, audiobooks, and everything along those lines since July 2014, there is a massive library that is available to you to explore as a martial artist into almost any area of martial arts that you could imagine. Many of these programs are going to continue to stay free, like the interviews with the fantastic martial artists such as Ian Abernathy. Jamie Club, Ando Mirzwa, Sarah Chang, and including the very valuable first-hand experiences of Okinawa karate as experienced from Hanshi Doug Perry. That interview in itself is worth listening to over and over again, and even getting the unedited version is available to you as well. With that being said, Let's get yourself ready. If we're going to go for a walk, let's get on the shoes. And if we're going to go for a drive, let's get it cranked up. We're getting ready to start. Hitting the Mark. Archery and Ethics in Early Confucianism. The Introduction in Chapter 1. As I introduce the essay, I should introduce the author. James Bohaniak, Jr., I hope I pronounced his last name correctly. He is an associate professor at Kobe University. He and I have exchanged a couple of emails, and he's excited about the sharing of his essay here on the program. He earned his master's degree and his Ph.D. at the University of Hawaii, and he got his bachelor's at the University of Southern Maine. His areas of expertise are East Asian philosophy, American philosophy, and the philosophy of religion. Interestingly enough, I did a little research, and at RateMyProfessor.com, Jim has a 4.6 score out of 5. His students have said he is inspirational, gives really good feedback, and also delivers excellent lectures. Now, I am just blown away by that, because I had a philosophy teacher when I was in college, and excellent lectures is nothing that I remember. Now, one of the students said, Jim, quote, definitely lives up to his reputation. He has a real talent for making philosophy relevant to everyday life. And my head was buzzing every time I left his class. He's an awesome professor, end quote. And that is exactly why I brought this essay onto the program, because he does have a talent about making the philosophy relevant to everyday life, which is exactly what this essay is going to be all about. So let me share with you the introduction to the essay, titled, Hitting the Mark, Archery and Ethics in Early Confucianism. It was published in the Journal of Chinese Philosophy, Volume 37, December 2010. Professor Jim writes, Early Chinese thinkers routinely use archery as a metaphor for ethical experience. Yang Xiang, for instance, drawing on this long-standing tradition, describes the entire ethical life in terms of archery. He states, cultivate character and let it be your bow. Rectify your thoughts and let them be your arrows. Establish appropriateness as your target. Settle, aim, and let the arrows fly. You are certain to hit the mark. This essay attempts to reconstruct the archery metaphor and to draw out some of its implications for our understanding of early Confucian ethics. Attention is going to be paid to certain motives and analogies in this metaphor, as well as to the history and the mechanics of the archery contest itself. The institution in relation to which the metaphor had its meaning, it is here argued that the archery metaphor suggests a lot about how early Confucian thinkers understood the relationship between social roles and personal character, the nature of ethical ends, the enjoyment of ethical life, the nature of self-reflection in the face of moral transgression, and the origin and nature of ethics itself. The sport of archery in early China was more of a community ritual than an individual pastime. And this essay argues that the social dimension of the sport needs to be recognized in order to adequately understand the metaphor in context. In thinking about the philosophical implications of the archery metaphor, the insights of John Dewey will be used on occasion. Dewey is the only Western philosopher of whom Professor Jim is aware of that uses the metaphor of archery in a manner that bear some philosophical resemblance to the early Confucians. Part one is titled, Position, Discharge, and Qi. That is spelled Z-H-I, a Chinese term that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. For early Confucian thinkers, Archery has two distinct elements. The first is skill in positioning, to ensure proper aim. And the second, is strength in your discharge to ensure that an arrow reaches his target. Mencius, who is considered to be the second sage only after Confucius himself lived from 372 to 289 BC. And while Confucius himself did not explicitly focus on the subject of human nature, Mencius asserted the innate goodness of the individual believing that it was society's influence in its lack of a positive cultivating influence that caused bad moral character. For those of you who have listened to or watched the episode titled Finding the Archer Inside, that is where I discussed the long-term relationship that archery has had with martial arts. It doesn't matter basically where you go. You go back through the history of time and somewhere along the line, martial arts is going to be tied into some form of archery. And as we're going to be discussing here, archery is going to be tied back into the same sorts of character and the same sort of ethics that we talk about today. And it's going all the way back to 500 BC. Now Mencius synthesized integral parts of Taoism into Confucianism. It was he that moved forward the concept that individual effort was needed to cultivate oneself but one's natural tendencies were good enough to begin with. The object of education is the cultivation of benevolence, otherwise known in Chinese, as run, R-E-N. Manish's likened wisdom to the first element I mentioned before, the skill in positioning, and sagacity to the second, to the strength in discharge. He writes... To begin in a sound way is a matter of wisdom. To carry a process through the end is a matter of sagacity. Wisdom is like the skill at the beginning. Sagacity is like the strength in carrying it through. In discharging an arrow from a hundred paces out, arriving at the target area is a matter of strength. As for whether or not the arrow hits the mark... This is not a matter of strength. So in the beginning, you've got to point yourself in the proper direction. That takes wisdom. In archery, this is skill. In order to arrive to the ends, you've got to follow through on your direction. You've got to have the strength, the sagacity to hit that mark. With that being said, let me ask you. Is archery really a valid test of measuring important traits such as character? We could certainly entertain the arguments here. I recall that in graduate school, I participated in many thesis tests of other candidates. And there we would be working together to design a test to measure the candidate's hypothesis. When designing a test, you try to tackle two main components. First, usually... Is it a valid test? Is it going to measure what you're hoping to find out? And the second component, is it reliable? In the scheme of things, a test that is unreliable is worse than a test which is less valid. Two examples are on the top of my head. The first one, does the SAT or ACT or any other form of standardized testing actually predict whether your success in college is predetermined. The truth is, not really. The standardized tests are used as a way to weed out applicants, not as much as a predetermination of how well you may do in college. Is the test reliable? Well, it does seem to be laid out and delivered in as much of a reliable fashion as possible. So, is it a valid test? Well, in weeding out applicants for universities, it is. But as a predeterminer of whether or not you're going to do well or could do well in further education, it really isn't. The second example that leaps to mind is the breaking of a board or a brick to signify that you are prepared to move further on your pursuit of excellence in martial arts. Is this reliable? Well, for the most part, as long as everybody is using a similar piece of wood, It should be, you know, a reliable test. We hear these little stories about people who've got little splinters and cracks running down theirs when they hit it. But, you know, we'll we'll disregard the the cheaters. Now, I know the test would be a lot harder if you were trying to do that here in North Carolina and you accidentally picked a piece of hickory over a piece of pine. But if we assume that everyone is using the same sort of particle board or the same sort of wood, we're going to give in to reliability. But what about validity? What is the tester actually trying to measure? Your ability to break that piece of pine? Well, in this sense, the board break can act as a peak performance to a person's ability to focus, overcome challenges, as well as delivering this peak performance when called upon. And to be honest, I can get on board with that. Does that mean that if you can break the board or the next board, you're as good as Funakoshi or Wang jai? No. Nor does it even say how far you're going to go. The test is not a predictor of how well you're going to continue to pursue excellence in your martial arts, but it does give us an idea of your commitment at this moment in time. This is how I'm interpreting the archery essay, a standardized way to test the masses to get a reflection of the person's internal workings at that moment in time. Is it reliable? Well, from what I've read, as much as you're going to get reliability from early man outdoor, you know, we're talking 300, 200 BC. So, unless somebody sabotages your bow or, you know, puts some sort of oil on your arrows, I'm going to go with as probably as reliable as we would get during that time period. So, hopefully, with those other examples, we can give this archery exam some latitude as we move back into the essay. In archery, the qualities of one's aiming is distinct from the strength of one's release. Analogously, in ethical experience, wisdom involves having the proper stance to realize what is ethically appropriate at the outset, whereas strength indicates willingness and the effort put into acting on it. Both elements, wisdom and strength, however, can be regarded as derivative from something more primary. In archery, when an arrow is let loose, it is the unity of position and discharge that constitutes the shot itself. The shot takes place as a whole. Comparatively, in the Confucian ethical framework, there is a unifying notion denoting both the aim and strength simultaneously, a notion from which the elements of position and discharge can be derived. So even though both of these attributes are separate, once it's let go, both of these attributes become one. And as Manitius suggests, this notion is primary in ethical experience. Prince Dean once asked, What is the concern of the scholar-official? Manitius replied, Gee, Well, oh. What do you mean by G? I mean humanity and appropriateness, that is all. Humanity is where one is positioned. Appropriateness is the path. To be positioned in humanity and to proceed out in appropriateness is the sum concern of a great person. For Manitius, G is the all-encompassing ethical term. It represents the combination of both in the shot, in the action. It simultaneously denotes the position from which aims are formulated and one's ability to discharge them with conviction. As Mark Lewis explains, the single term G denotes the entire moral conception of personality. For the early Confucians, it represents, in his words, the whole thrust of a person's being. As a holistic expression of one's ethical character, Ji indicates the quality of judgment, the strength of intention, aspiration, and determination, and as well as the ability to realize goals. According to the Chinese tradition, it is impossible to faint one's Ji. This brings us to the chao Dynasty. The Chao Dynasty followed the Shang Dynasty and preceded the Qin Dynasty. The Chao Dynasty lasted longer than any other dynasty in Chinese history, ending after 790 years in 314 BC. This period of Chinese history produced what is considered the zenith of Chinese bronze wear making. The Zhao Dynasty also spans the period in which the written script evolved into almost its modern form that emerged during the late warring state period. In Zhou times, it was believed that qi could be observed, and mostly in ritualistic settings such as poetry recitings. In line with this tradition, Confucius would assess the quality of his disciples and how they would voice their qi when posed with open-ended questions. Archery rituals also provide an important means by which to assess personal character in ancient China. And this was perhaps the most important means among the Chao aristocrats. Every male person took up archery as one of the six traditional six arts. Now, what were those six arts? The traditional six arts are ritual, music, archery, charioteering, calligraphy, and mathematics. The sport of archery was considered so important that on the birth of a son, a bow would be hung on the left-hand side of the door to herald his arrival into the world. When it came time to recruit male persons for civil service, an archery contest was held to assess the personal character of each. As Mary Fong explains, this major archery ritual was the sole means of testing the competence of prospective government officials. Literally, this was the entrance exam to the service of the Chow King. It was held twice a year, in the spring and the autumn, and this test marked the culmination of an educational course that spanned the early years of a male's education. The function of archery as a culminating experience in this curriculum was so important that Manitius considered the entire course to have been one in archery. Thus, when philosophers like Manitius employ archery as a metaphor for ethical competence, it is with the understanding that archery is an important factor in the revealing of the thrust of one's personal character. As a component in the archery metaphor, chi is the most general term that defines the conviction with which the shot is let loose. Manitius relates that when Master Archer Yi first taught men to shoot, he demanded that one's chi be fully set on drawing the bowstring and required that all subsequent students do the same. The meaning of archery is to set loose Some will say to shoot. As for letting loose, each archer lets loose their personal chi. As a comprehensive term in ethical psychology, chi contains within itself elements that are usually distinguished in philosophical analysis. For example, elements such as goal, choice, and effort. Cheng Ying Chung is the distinguished scholar of Chinese philosophy and professor in the Department of Philosophy at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. He is considered as one of the pioneers who formalized the field of Chinese philosophy in the United States during the 1960s. Cheng Ying Cheng demonstrates his understanding in the discussion of the term by saying, "G is a quote, "...and decision the self makes in view or in recognition of an ideal value." or a potential reality that can be achieved through one's effort. G is a choice and a decision the self makes in view or in recognition of an ideal value or a potential reality that can be achieved through one's efforts. G is furthermore a vision or a goal that can be projected into the future and pursued and actualized in one's time by one's efforts. As a future goal or vision, G is a choice of value and a choice of a form of life that one comes to embrace and identify with as one's innermost own. Thus, understood as a component in the archery metaphor, G includes within itself both the target at which one aims and the effort put into reaching it. Moreover, to take aim at a target identifies one with a form of life, pursuant to that particular goal, a form of life that becomes one's innermost own. This is made clear in a passage from The Meaning of Archery, in which the targets at which one aims are identified with the roles that constitute one as a person. One who makes oneself a father aims at a father target, one who makes oneself a son, aims at the sun target. One who makes oneself a ruler, aims at the ruler target. One who makes oneself a subject, aims at the subject target. So, it is that each particular archer aims at his own personal target. The target metaphor suggests that the shooting identified with G is a holistic activity wherein means and ends are coterminous, meaning that the means and the ends have the same boundaries or extent in space, time, or meaning. In other words, one becomes a father through aiming to being a father. One becomes a ruler through aiming to be a ruler. This notion that a person is identical to his or her role-fulfilling activities, also finds expression in Confucian account of the optimal community as one in which the rulers rule, ministers minister, fathers father, and sons son. For Confucius, the ideal person is one whose identity as a person is indistinguishable from the activities that express the social roles that one aspires to realize living such roles and doing what is appropriate within them is always the ethical target. According to the archery metaphor, moral wisdom refers to the position one assumes in order to hit the target, which also corresponds to the humanity that one brings to the shot. Meanwhile, ethical strength refers to one's ability to go the distance into reaching that target which also corresponds to the courage and willingness to do what is appropriate in the roles that define one's person. Together, one's position and discharge indicate the entire thrust of one's being an ethical person. In that moment, they indicate one's chi. So in Summary of Part 1, Position, Discharge, and Chi Manitius at 300 BC, believed that individual effort was needed to cultivate oneself, but your natural tendencies were good enough to begin with. Amazing to me that during that time period that this was the same time period that technologies such as the horse-drawn odometer and a ship's block and tackle systems were just being created. This man was working on a technology to assess men's character. We discussed the importance of understanding the reliability and validity in any test design. And in this particular essay, wisdom is the skill. It involves that you take proper aim at, for example, being a father, or to realize what is ethically appropriate for you in that role. Sagicity is the strength that indicates your willingness to put in the effort into acting upon that decision. Having the right aim but not enough strength to reach the target is unfortunately still too common today. If you were a man during the Chow Dynasty and actually further dynasties than that, and you ever wanted a shot at the aristocratic circle, you better study your six arts. Ritual, music, archery, charioteering, calligraphy, and mathematics. In this scheme, what would be our six arts today? What would you argue for? I'm going to list my six a little later, but this will give you some time to think about it. Confucius once stated, In archery we have something like the way of a superior man. When the archer misses the center of the target, he turns around and seeks for the cause of his failure in himself. So we don't look to assign blame when things go astray. First, look deeply into yourself. The following three chapters are going to be available for the members at Patreon and the website, and the entire essay will be available for you to pick up at your convenience. Those additional chapters are just as informative as this one Archery and Roles, where archery and the role of sport and the measure of character. Here's an excerpt from chapter two Genuinely ethical behavior requires an identification of self with the target at which one aims. It is not enough to simply be Presented with a target in the form of a duty. Truly ethical targets enter meaningfully into the very activity of taking aim and shooting. The holistic process that Confucius identifies with G or wisdom. Chapter three is titled The Archery Contest and the Social Self, and a little excerpt from it is it is perhaps somewhat odd for us to think of archery in terms of an association with others. Western antiquity, after all, is replete with stories of superlative marksmanship on the part of individuals. Ancient heroes such as Agamemnon and Ulysses were good archers. And then there were individuals such as William Tell and Robin Hood, who displayed marvelous feats of marksmanship. And then there's chapter four, Archery, Self-Reflection, and the Field of Ethics. I'd like to close with one of the quotes from the essay. As a holistic expression of one's ethical character, Ji indicates the quality of judgment, the strength of intention, aspiration, and determination, and the ability to realize goals. According to the Chinese tradition, it is impossible to faint once Ji. Go out, have a fantastic practice today, Take good aim at what you're trying to pursue and be sure to pull the bow far enough back to get there. Keep working. And if you feel like you're not going to make it sometimes, reach out. There's plenty of people who want to see you succeed. Take care. Have a great practice. And I'll be talking with you real soon.